Powered by Righteous Media. Welcome to another episode of the Beat Orm Podcast. I'm your co-host, Don the Piz Elevert, joined as always by Justin Jericho Turner. And we are two former college roommates getting together a couple decades later to talk about life, business, media, culture, entertainment, and everything in between. Let's go. back brother cheers my man back at it again clean cheers. one more time oh just introduce what you got for us this week? oh look at your cup we branded now we're branded now look at your cup <laughs> <laughs> still, still drinking brown beer don't worry guys but we branded now. you threw some of that beat arm swag on your goblet i see yeah man wait uh you gotta you gotta stand up a little bit so they can see the t-shirt y'all gotta y'all gotta oh, get right. this beat on merch y'all gotta get this merch that's right What's up I got with this Beatorm shirt on? Beatorm.us. Go Let's to the go. website. Check out some of the merch. Represent. All right, homie, what are you drinking, man? I know you got something sexy going on. I saw that glass. Yeah. So, you know what's interesting? I'm not a gin guy, but um, same cousin who brought the uh, last, I think it was last time we, we, we got together to record one of these that I was sipping on a. Uh, tea with some canadian like a uh, maple liqueur so yeah, that yeah. cousin he brought me this really good canadian gin as well so i made myself a gimlet which is not something i normally ever drink but i took some it's pretty simple just take so you're supposed to use simple syrup actually but instead of simple syrup i was it wasn't in the mood to make some simple syrup so i just used some natural honey uh some of that gin and then the hardest part was I took some limes and hand squeezed lime juice. So go one part lime juice, two parts gin, a little bit of honey, rocks, stir it up. It's tasty though, actually. I normally I like only that. drink gin and martini, dirty martinis, but this is very tasty. It might be this might be a new a new fan favorite over here. I like that, bro. You know, um, instead of honey, because honey, uh, you know, doesn't melt in cold drinks. Consider mm-hmm. agave syrup. It blends oh, a little bit better. Oh, that's a good idea, actually. I yeah, used to keep a d- agave better. syrup on deck, and I haven't had any around lately. And I didn't even know that agave syrup does that better. That's good. That's good info- intel right there, because it's funny you say that, because I had to take the room temperature, knowing that in advance, I actually took the room temperature gin and the honey and the room temperature lime juice and mix that all together before putting it on the rocks oh, cool. because, you know, science. <laughs> <laughs> science. What a concept in today's world. All right, we're, man. We're, 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 jumping in, <laughs> we're jumping to that when we talk about uh, dirty words. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, so so for our listeners out there, we got a, we got a, man, we got a lot to cover this week. We got... Um, we got the Senate confirmation hearings for uh, Judge Katanji Brown and all of the hoopla going on around that. Um, we got, as Justin just mentioned, a new segment for you all called Dirty Words. Um, where we're going to break down, hit the dictionary up, <laughs> be some, be some <laughs> studious mofos over here, right? And then, um, and then... 
So we don't usually tell people like what day it is when we're actually recording, but Justin was busy for those, for those uh, uh, Patreon members that joined us the other night, y'all know that Justin was busy uh, the night that we normally record um, doing his thing and he can fill us in more on what, what he, what events he had had going on. So we had to push our recording to the weekend. So it being the weekend, we're going to talk about brunch. We're going to break down all things brunch related for y'all. So lot to cover. Let's get it. I got. I want to share a question with you that a buddy of mine sent to a, a text group I'm in that you're not a part of. Um, but I thought kind of summarized what a lot of people who are busy with trying to live their lives, trying to get out, get back to normal out of this pandemic funk that we've been in and as things are progressing. Um, and here's what this one friend of mine wrote. He said, can someone summarize what is going on with Katanji Brown? She seems pretty cool. What is going on with her and why is she being questioned? And I think that pretty much summarizes what a lot of people are wondering right now. Yeah. So since you and I didn't get a chance to talk about this, I was curious what you would think. So I hit you with that question, my brother. You know, what's, what's dope about this whole situation is that it's not like Supreme Court justice hearings are new. It's that there's so much media now that they're actually like part of the public conversation in ways that they haven't been prior to, let's say, Kavanaugh, right? Um, now, you have the, the, the controversy around Clarence Thomas which was a completely different beast in and of itself. That was a media spectacle because it was a Supreme Court justice and of what he was accused of and the high profileness of that case, right? But there's so much media now that like Supreme Court justice is also part of people's regular TV watching. Now, we, ha- we do have to, of course, mention it's the first Black woman who will serve on the Supreme Court. We're saying will. Um, assuming that you folks will be rocking our podcast prior to her confirmation, but assuming that she will be confirmed with at least 50 Democrats. Um, and if that's all she gets, then we would need a tiebreaker from our vice president who serves as the president of the Senate and the tiebreaker if there's a 50-50 vote on things. So for folks that don't know how that works, because we have a Democratic president and a Democratic vice president, if all the Democrats vote for her and all the Republicans vote against her, she still gets confirmed because the vice president would have the tie-breaking vote. So assuming that she gets confirmed, there, those two things are probably what's keeping her in the media. She's a Black woman, and there are a lot of people that really only pay attention when there's a lot of Black people and a lot of we'll call them black adjacent people who are very interested simply because she's black. Let's call it what it is. And then there's just the media, the 24 hour media circus that has to cover something. And they've been covering the Ukraine war like nonstop. So they're looking for something else to put their cameras on. Now I bring all of that up because if you look at the showmanship that's going on in Congress right now, and I'm going to let you jump in and and talk about some of this stuff too. But Mm -hmm. these people, are clearly performing for an audience. 
in a way that hasn't been done in Supreme Court hearings in the past because they knew no one was watching them. You understand, you understand what I'm saying? Like now it's, it's like it's must-see TV and they know that they're being watched, therefore they're performing more. And you're seeing people coming in with props and, and gimmicks and we'll call them talking points that they discussed in their little circles, all ridiculousness, all in an attempt to perform for their audience. And, you know, however you define the audience, we, could, we can talk about, you know, folks on the left who are doing a little bit of performing. We'll talk about folks on the right who are doing a little, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of performing um, and pandering and, you know, whatever else you want to call it. I got some other words. We'll leave that for another segment, though. we'll we'll, we'll put that in the dirty words segment brother (laughs) i mean yo that the the anti-racist baby book i'm a Mm -hmm. full supporter of that book skyrocketing up the bestseller list right after the senator from texas ted cruz made a fool of himself asking a supreme court nominee whether she thinks babies are racist. I think there, there's a lot of po- political games being played is the way I view mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, we live in a country where race is has been part of political games for decades, if not hundreds of years. So like, of course, that's going to be part of it. Um, what I found fascinating though, and um, in thinking about all this is, it, is that thinking about the people calling her, Ketanji Brown out and questioning about her tracker record as being too lenient on criminals and even though what she was doing with with her sentencing wasn't it's not like she was reducing sentencing she was going staying within the recommended guidelines of sentencing but i just thought it was fascinating because the last time i remember a uh a woman of color uh being appointed to a position of high power being questioned about their track record on criminal justice was Kamala Harris, even though that wasn't for a Supreme Court justice position, but she, what everybody was questioning about that was saying that she was uh, too (laughs) uh, harsh in her, I guess, or contradictory. They, they, she was called out for being contradictory in presenting herself as someone who's seeking criminal justice reform when people are pointing out that she was had a track record of being very harsh when it came to punitive sentencing outcomes. Right. Right. Damn. So I just think it's interesting. Yeah. So I'm like, you you can't win regardless, but that to me, lean let just, just points more to the fact that what we're watching, what we're watching is political games because as you mentioned, going back to, to, to your point about, the, the the numbers you have to understand what's going on in the senate here right like like the the like the outcome of this is already determined just like the outcome of kavanaugh and amy coney barrett for the most part were already determined so what you're watching isn't an actual isn't people actually doing anything related to things asking questions about related to anything they want to actually hear about or that they're overly concerned about they are trying to use this as a moment to make viral videos that are going to win political favor with the audience that they need to gain more favor from in order to, to win future elections that they're concerned about. Right. Correct. That, that that's what I feel like is, is mostly going on here. You may think something different on, I don't, I don't know, but, but I, I feel like we're probably on the same page with that. Right. Yes, sir. 
for all the folks who are listening, if you are paying any attention to our political atmosphere right now, it is 100% theater at this point. Our lawmaking body is more interested in theater than they are in actually making laws. And this has been the case for a while now. It's just that now it's on blast. It's on national TV, internet, you know, social media. Everybody's talking about it now. And that made it worse because now that they know that they have an audience at something like a Supreme Court justice nomination hearing, now they have another stage. And it's just going to get more and more ridiculous um, until we have some brave politicians who stand up and say, this is ridiculous. And since none of them will do that until it earns them political points, because they're not going to do anything unless it earns them political points, it's unlikely that that will happen. Like I, I saw, um, I was watching Cory Booker today because, uh, you know, he's one of those people uh, who, who went viral uh, af- after his, mm-hmm. his commentary. Um, correction, after his speech. He gave a speech and it was a great speech and there wasn't a dry eye in the room. It was fantastic. Uh, he needed to counterbalance what was really going on on the other side, which was uh, negative branding. Like for those of us who work in marketing, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? They they were trying to ensure that every time someone searched Katanji Brown Jackson, what would also come up is child pornography. What would also come up is weak on sentencing. What would all you know? You understand what I'm saying? And that's how mm-hmm. the algorithms work on these search, search media engines. And they know this, and they're playing to it. And what Cory Booker did was he tried to create an alternative narrative that might come up when her name is searched. And because he did such an effective job, he's the one who actually ended up going viral in this situation. Um, So while I want to give Cory Booker some shit for running for president during somebody else's nomination hearing, I also want to say that was probably necessary. It was probably required because of what was happening on the other side. Um, And I feel like he kind of felt that way too. Uh, and the reporter who was talking to him asked him, you know, did you feel like the attacks were racist? And his response was, no, that race wasn't actually involved in this situation, that it was really some people using the stage in order to question somebody who's clearly qualified to do a job. And that's what often happens with women. And so he went that route with it, which I thought was probably a smarter move, taking it off of race, especially considering, I think, well, uh, now there are only three black people in the Senate. The three black people out of 100 in, in the American Senate, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and so when you think about diversifying these, these, these bodies of government, understand that representation doesn't mean that we need to have, you know, uh, the, uh, the correct percentage of people of color. But we do need to have strong voices on the other side. Otherwise, like if there was no Cory Booker, in the Senate, and we had no counterbalance for everything that the, the Hollies and the Ted Cruz's and the Marsha Blackburns were doing, it would have been a big problem. It would have been a big problem. It's still a problem, but it's a sm- slightly smaller problem because Cory Booker spoke so elo- eloquently. You know what I mean? I, he- I hear you. I hear you, obviously. The, the interesting thing about the Cory Booker thing that hit me, though, is that um, I love this speech. <laughs> like, Call it what it, it is, was like. heart- heartfelt. It was heartfelt. It was heartwarming. But if we're going to be fair, if we're going to be fair, 
It was entirely performative and had nothing to do with questioning a a a, a nothing to do with, with with questioning a a uh, a nominee in a Senate uh, committee hearing for 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 pushing that nomination forward. But like you said, it was necessary to counterbalance everything that else that was that was being done. Um, and that's where, like, to me, and I think a lot of people, and going back to the initial question that I raised that my friend asked, right? Who my and my friend asked is because. You know, I'm not going to divulge the details about that friend, but that friend is a very, very enormously successful individual in a uh, in an aspect of our world in in the healthcare world. I'll put it there that that they are they spend the majority of their time saving lives and don't have the ability to sit and watch these hearings, <laughs> which is right. why which is why that friend was asking the question. I feel like a lot of people in society are busy with their day to day dealing with stuff and don't have the chance to watch these hearings. And I wish I wish that we could get away from the necessity of the counterbalancing of performative behavior uh, followed by another on the opposite side of the aisle. Right. And it's so that we could actually be more productive, but that's kind of what we, what we've come down to. So like there's, there's an element of it where it's like, it's mildly entertaining to watch after a while. These people do, do this thing. Right. (laughs) And like, but that shouldn't be the case. Like I shouldn't be getting entertainment value from, from a Supreme Supreme Court Court nominee. nominee. Right. (laughs) <laughs> that's not supposed to be entertainment <laughs> like, ladies like, and gentlemen like like that wasn't meant that's not where i'm supposed to be getting the tear jerkers from from senator cory booker that's also not where i'm supposed to be hearing uh like, like senator marsha blackburn who went viral with her questioning about whether or not uh katanji brown can define what a woman is you can't i don't think as a human you could watch katanji brown face the questioning that she was facing and not be impressed by the, just the sheer ability to to keep your composure. Yes, sir. Under the yes, line sir. of questioning, regardless of what you think of the questions being asked or the answers being given. Think of the modern day politician like a used car salesman. Their objective is to sell you the car. They don't care if that car is going to break down 10 miles off the lot. They don't care that that car was used uh, in a in a bank robbery, they don't care about any of that stuff. All they care about is making the sale. And you, as the customer, in this case, the 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 citizen in the nation that they are leading, they don't really care how what they say affects you unless you are helping them stay elected. That's the only thing that they care about. They're going to use all these dumb ass talking points the same way that they're doing during this hearing in order to get you interested again. Because you lost interest for a few years and you haven't been paying attention to the fact that they're not actually doing anything for you. We kept joking around here about dirty words as we dropped some dirty words, some dirty words like we, do, we use the word race, we use the word racism, we use the word black, oh, we no. use black in conjunction with lives matter. Yeah, no, not that we, phrase, no. <laughs> so let I'd like to in the as a in the words of a of an off, often sought after wise man in history. Talk dirty to me. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. All right, what are we doing first? So this is a so this is a a, a a a new segment that we haven't done done before that we're we're gonna call dirty words, right? Give them. Um, 
I did some research for this one, Justin. I hope you're proud of me, bro. Oh, let's go. Okay. All right. So to introduce the segment, Dirty Words, I looked up the Merriam-Webster definition of dirty words. Ah, Which, first of all, unbeknownst to many people, maybe, you can look up the definition of a phrase, not just word, not just a word. I don't know if you knew. I don't know if you knew that. You probably knew that. But it's it, it, Marion. Marion. Marion done stepped up since we were young. And we you remember when we were young, you had to pull out an actual dictionary and you could look up a word. You could look up <laughs> phrases. You could look up all you could look up. You know, we got urban dictionary out here. We got all types of great stuff. Mm-hmm. I love the world we live. in. All right. So dirty words, according to Marion, Marion Webster, is a word expression or idea. That is disagreeable or unpopular in a particular frame of reference. Okay. We got that here. As long as we're all in agreement here on what a dirty word is. Got you. So. There was one dirty word that I, I was thinking of. This week that I thought would be great for us to talk about that. You and I have never really talked about this topic specifically. Um, but. We didn't actually drop it in there and what we were talking about there before with the Katanji Brown stuff. And that oh. word is privilege. Ah, oh, privilege. Privilege. So, like I said, I did some research. Let me give you the, the Merriam-Webster definition of privilege. A right or immunity granted as a peculiar benefit, advantage, or favor. So, here's why I'm throwing, I throw privilege out as a dirty word. Privilege, when we were growing up, I feel like privilege carried a uh, positive connotation. Yeah. Right? Like, generally, you're like, ah, it's a, pr- it is a, pr- I am so privileged to be here. It is a privilege to meet you, sir. It is, I have the privilege of going and golfing with my homies today. <laughs> throw, <laughs> throw back to the last episode. If anybody didn't catch our conversation on golf and do rags, go listen to that last episode. But anyway, um, but nowadays, Man, you throw that word privilege out there, boy. I've made that mistake with one of my friends before and, and told them that that they're privileged. And man, whew, especially if you are like if you are a Caucasian male American in this society, that word privilege is not something that you like being slapped on you. Right. Because it's gotten it's become it's gone from that that positive connotation I was talking about to this this extreme negativity. Um. Here's my take on privilege and why I don't think why I'm confused as to why privilege has become a dirty word. Privilege, in my opinion, is only a bad thing when it exists in the absence of behavior that demonstrates one's humility that is resulting from awareness of that privilege. Mm -hmm. It is a great thing to have privilege. It is. (laughs) It's amazing to have privilege. The problem with having privilege is purely when you can't see the privilege that you have or you can't behave in a manner that sh- demonstrates hum- humility because uh, as a as a function of that privilege you have. So I'll give some examples. I'm not I am a black dude who grew up middle class, who um, is from an immigrant family. Right. We've talked about all those things before. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not who normally this label of privilege is slapped onto and 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 they tell you to go <laughs> sit in a corner with your privilege right that's not me but guess what i'm an american that means i have the privilege of speaking my mind 
and having the freedom of freedom of speech. I imagine what like that came that came to my mind when I was thinking about this topic this week because I was looking at everything going on in U- Ukraine and trust me like I feel it, it, like my uh, I feel so terrible like many of us do about everything that's going on there and I'm I don't want to I even feel weird the fact that I'm going to focus on the Russians for now in what I'm talking about about privilege right because 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 the we we need to really be focusing on everything that's going on with the Ukraines the Ukrainian refugees those who are in in fighting the fight right now but when it comes to this topic of privilege I was thinking about the fact that if I was one of these Russians who's in who's trying to protest this war because I'm not in support of it I don't have the privilege of doing that the way an American does. The way I do, the way I I do, if I wanted to, uh, like you were talking about, the summer of freedom, going out there and protesting, right? That's a privilege that we have. Another privilege. As a child of immigrants, I have much privilege as a direct result of the extreme life changes and sacrifices that my parents made to bring me here. And that's something that was reinforced for me to to a great extent the last time I traveled to Haiti, the country my parents are from. Um. And there's and and it's complicated because when you talk about when you talk about privilege, like that almost makes it sound like I'm speaking in a derogatory fashion of those that don't that didn't whose parents didn't come here, et cetera. I'm not saying that because there's a lot of things I witnessed last time I went back to Haiti that made me that made me put me in awe of how people with less materialistic things could exist, could live a life far happier than many of the people I know here who have everything that money could buy, right? But nonetheless, I have that priv- I have privilege that's been gained economically, I guess you could say, or in terms of the advantages that were that were given to me to to establish an economic footprint beyond some of those people whose parents didn't make some of the pet sacrifices that my parents made, right? Yeah. So I recognize those privileges. And I act as if you have, you are someone who talks all the time. Every time on various previous podcasts, you talk all about about the time how you dedicate yourself and you make you make distinct choices in life to support community and black owned businesses. Um, and I can't help but think to myself, a part of that is because of your own recognition of some of the privileges that you may have had that or that others didn't didn't have. And and sometimes privilege is just a recognition of fortunate life circumstances like sometimes sometimes the dice just 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 roll up numbers in your favor right <laughs> that that work out for you and recognizing that not everything you get not everything like that that happened to you and came to you was a result of earned effort like many things you and i both both know we've earned in life but there's many things that we've been fortunate to receive so there we go that is my venting on this dirty word privilege what do you think about me throwing this out as a dirty word and what does the word privilege mean to you and why do you think so many people are like running away from this word because it's a dirty filthy disgusting word that's why and uh i think it's become dirtier because when we say privilege i think you touched on a couple of things i want to i want to talk about because privilege is a separation between um what folks think that they have versus what they actually have and I think that's where the separation happens in, in the American dis- discourse about privilege. So there's a, there's a separation. B- like, Black Americans who are the descendants of slaves don't necessarily understand their own privilege. And they don't, because many 
are still locked in this cycle of um, poverty and diminished wealth based on the capitalist society that we inherited, they don't necessarily see all those freedoms that you were just talking about. So it's important to recognize that that if if you're on fire, you might not necessarily recognize that you have the privilege to breathe. You know what I'm saying? So I don't want to, I don't want to disparage yeah. the community for not understanding. At the same time, you, we have to recognize that America does give us a tremendous amount of freedom and safety, right? Like I was watching this report yesterday about the, uh, you know, uh, uh, Kim is launching missiles again. And, you know, people are starting to get paranoid because they think North Korea is going to, you know, blow up the West Coast of the United States. And I'm, I'm trying to explain to people, regardless of what physicists say, you're in America. You're probably in the safest country in the world. So even if you live in East New York, Brooklyn, I love y'all, but it's, you know, it's a lot of crime out there. You might not <laughs> feel super safe, but you are a lot safer than just the average citizen walking down the block in Lviv right now. Because they might get hit by a missile. Okay. (laughs) There's there's a difference in the level of safety. But then on the other side, again, this is about, it's a conversation about poverty. Because most of the poor people in this country are white people. And if you tell a poor white person that they have privilege, they'll be very upset at you. Especially if you label it white privilege. Because that makes it even dirtier. That makes it like CD, like red light district dirty, right? So... Mm-hmm. trying to explain to these folks that just because you are a white American, you have more opportunity than a black American. They don't understand that because they're poor. And from their perspective, my poverty, I feel that I live that. So I don't understand your concept of my white privilege because they haven't, you know, uh, they need some, they need some critical race theory, actually. Like they, they need to understand how mm. race works in this country and how just being white actually does give you an advantage in many circumstances. And I'm going to give you a story. When I first graduated from school, um, it's part of the reason why I started calling myself Jericho to begin with. I applied for a job. Now, my parents named me Justin Turner, just for everybody who calls me Jericho and doesn't know my birth name, right? Justin Turner is a very Anglo name, all right? Matter of fact, there's a, there's a dude who plays in Major League Baseball who has my name, all right? It's white. It's got big, curly, red hair, very opposite me, right? Um, I went in for a job interview. And, you know, when I called in, I gave them my best code-switching voice, which we all have. And when I came in for the interview, the guy who was interviewing me was facing the back of the room. And I walked in the door, he turned around, and he said, Paul was looking for Justin Turner. I was like, that's me. Uh, me, me. Right here, standing in front of you. He said, and I quote, wow, I thought you were a white guy. Right? So, now, I didn't get that job, and I'm not going to assume that I didn't get the job because I'm black, but I am going to assume that I got the interview because he thought I was white. And let's be real clear about, like, this is the kind of privilege that folks are talking about when they're when they're mentioning the concept of privilege in that context. Like, hmm. as an American, you have certain opportunities that are available to you 
simply because of your race. And there are certain things that are not simply because of your race. That's the concept of privilege that a lot of folks are taking issue with because they don't understand it, because they don't want to understand it. Because telling me that I have privilege when I'm poor and I'm struggling is not something that I want to hear. When you talk about people who don't necessarily believe that they have privilege because of what they are, who they are comparing, they're making a comparison, right? Yep. Of themselves. And this is where um, my sales background kind of kind of comes into play because not from anything that you do in terms of trying to sell to people. And by the way, just going dialing back to something you said earlier, um, I want to speak up on behalf of used car salesmen and say um, we respect used car salesmen. Sales is a is a humble career and it's difficult and not all used car salesmen are bad. All right, Justin. So anyway, <laughs> thought I was going to leave that alone. You can't you can't sit here and talk bad about salespeople when I'm a lifelong sales and business development executive. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> one of the things that happens in sales is sales sales is a very is a hyper competitive environment, right? And I remember once when I think of this category of privilege or this topic of dirty word privilege, one of the things that always comes to my mind is this conversation I had with a with a manager of mine at one point where I was trying to explain to this manager how good my performance was objectively in comparison to the entire sales team. I was like, I'm, I was like, I'm clearly one of the best. I'm clearly like a top percentile here. Right. They said to me is why are you comparing yourself to all, all of those other people? When they were like, they made it clear to me that they were like, your comparison should be, how am I in comparison to the number one salesperson? Right. And I wasn't the number one salesperson. I wasn't, I wasn't top five. Right. So I understood what they were saying. But what I what I think people need to realize is the reason I bring up this sales thing, because not to say that, like, not not to make a direct a comparison to the what a salesperson does, but the way that competitive competitive people and living in a capitalistic society by nature, that means we are living um, in competition with with each other. Right. And that is at the core of a lot of the issues and divisiveness that we face is this backdrop of competitiveness with each other. And that when in, when you tell an individual that they have privilege, you need to we need to remember that most most people don't most people do. I should say most people do what that manager of mine was telling me to do. People don't look back and compare themselves to all the people that have less than them. People are constantly looking to all the people who have more than them and thinking, man. I am not as lucky as that person. Right. I don't have as much as this individual, that person and people generally, when they, when people look at people who have more than them, they're going to, they are going to look at those people and think of all of the ways that that person had more than them that didn't, that wasn't earned. Right. And you could take what I'm saying and you can apply that to, you can apply that to <laughs> the black person looking at the, the white person and saying that person has white privilege if you want to. But I'm even speaking of I'm speaking even more so to the individual who carries a lot of privilege in the in the white privilege category, who it when you're trying to speak to an individual in that category and, and demonstrate to them the privilege they have. You have to understand that it, that individual isn't comparing themselves to individuals who have less than them. They're looking at all these people in their social circles who have more than them. So if everyone that's why I think that's 
like my point here basically isn't that I'm not trying to I'm not trying to highlight anybody as doing something wrong, evil, or as somebody is worse or than the other or better. I'm just pointing out that going back to like what I was saying, I, I look at things from a psychological aspect and what's at play from a from a fundamental social psychology dynamic. And there is a psychology at play here where people have a difficult time recognizing sometimes what they have over others that have less than them because their basis of comparison are individuals who have more. So it's very hard to recognize your privilege when all you're looking at is individuals or what you all you're comparing yourself to is individuals who you believe to have more privilege than you. Speaking of privilege, Justin, speaking of privilege, <laughs> moving this on to something a little more lighthearted. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you and I were recording this on over the weekend instead of recording it towards the end of week like we normally do. Yeah, which is very new for um, me, which is why I haven't smoked yet. <laughs> because because you had the privilege, you had the privilege of being able to go to, I believe, be run an event, right? Were you just were you running that event or were you the, the other night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was uh we had a a, a gathering for the models who work with our with our company and it was more like a party for them, but for folks who don't really fully understand how internet, how how Instagram and, and Facebook work, <laughs> it's a, it's a content game for them. So they just want to be in a space where they can take photos, take video, um, and and create little things for them to market themselves. So that's what that was. Um, I was out there uh, working both as a photographer, but also as an event host. Um, yeah, I mean it's fun. I obviously there are people who would say, well, you crafted the life that you wanted to live. I, I kind of did, but there was some privilege that's involved in that too. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not ignorant to that. Um, you know, I yeah. put myself in a position to be where I am, but I got, I got a little bit lucky. You know, I, as a, as a kid, some people found me, put me in some programs. I got into a really good high school, got into a great college. Like that's, I didn't do all of that by myself. Um, and it, it's, it, yeah. it's ignorant of me to say that, that I did. You earned you earned much of that, but you also but but life 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 is this interesting mix of hard work and good fortune, right? So yes, sir. <laughs> so you had the good fortune and privilege of taking all of those life events and being able to party with a bunch of the models that work for your company this past this past week, which is why we're stuck here recording this over the weekend. And the weekend, when it comes to the weekend, I. <laughs> One of the most consistent displays of privilege that not only I, but I think many of us participate in on the weekend is weekend brunch. Shout out the brunch. The greatest meal of the day. <laughs> greatest meal of the day. Brunch. It is the great unifier. The great unifier. <laughs> we're talking about here. We're having this podcast about how to bring people together and people for people to realize that we don't have we don't all we don't all exist on these extreme opposites of the aisle we can we can unify together right imagine imagine if politics and society found their brunch right find your <laughs> because brunch what rhythm. like yeah find your find your brunch like if you're not a breakfast person no problem get a non-breakfast item you like me and you love breakfast but you're not necessarily a morning person go for it 
have breakfast past noon. It's okay. For some reason, as soon as Saturday and Sunday come, it's it, the rules go out the window. Do as you please. Eat as makes you happy, right? So, um, here's I want to I want to I want to break this down. We got a lot to cover here in the, in this category here, Justin. So, I uh, yeah. I'm gonna throw a few things out there for you. All right. So, I want to talk about brunch cocktails. I want to talk about um, and I want to talk about our uh, brunch, the actual brunch dining experience and what, and what you have for that, right? Yeah. Where you want to start? You want to go with the food or you want to go with the cocktails? We're going with drinks first because I, I feel like if, right. if we want to define brunch for what it is, it's probably defined by drinks. Like if I, if I go it's out the, yeah. to eat Sunday at 11 a.m., that's breakfast. But if I go out to eat Sunday at 11 a.m. and I'm drinking, it's brunch. It's brunch. It's right? a, totally fine. Totally so, fine. Uh, yeah. You know, you eliminate yeah, the whole morning you. drinking, all that. Because it's brunch. So it's fine. Yeah. It matter that it's 11 a.m. doesn't matter that it's still a.m. <laughs> so I feel right, like we so, got to talk about drinks first. So let's talk about brunch cocktails. Then. All right. So, um, to, so that we, we could, we could do, we could, we could do a whole season of podcasts just on brunch cocktails, right? So I'm yeah. going to limit this one. I'm going to limit this category to two things. Mimosas versus Bloody Marys. Okay. I'm, I'm a little bit ignorant right. on the subject because I've never had a Bloody Mary. You have never had a Bloody Mary. Never had one. Mm-mm. There are a lot of wow. people love them. I just, I just, I've never, I can't get my brain around drinking tomato soup. Like I can't make myself, I can't make myself do it. I know that some people love it and shout out to all the people who love it. I love y'all too, but mm. so I'm, I'm okay. automatically so, on the other side because I've never had the other one, but you tell me because I know so you're, you're, almost, like a, you're, you're, you're a Bloody Mary connoisseur, connoisseur. Mm-hmm. I said that with a West Coast accent right there. So go ahead, yep. man. Give us, give us, give us your Bloody Mary. All right. All right. I didn't realize that you never had a Bloody Mary in your life, and that's something we're gonna have to change next time we hang out. The problem with <laughs> the problem with not having had a Bloody Mary is the only way to really, 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 truly appreciate everything a Bloody Mary stands for is actually to probably have have one when you're hungover, because uh, a proper Bloody Mary uh, that's kind of what they're known for, right? Is 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 being good uh, hangover material, and part of that is. Um, I'm assuming you're familiar with that phrase, the phrase hair of the dog. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. A Bloody Mary is Bloody Mary is basically a way of getting a lot, getting some. Um, I feel like getting some sugar in the system, giving you from the from the tomato juice. People people don't realize that like tomato based stuff is actually very sugary and uh, get, and 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 injecting your system with a little bit of dose of alcohol so that you can kind of balance yourself back to where you were the night before without getting full on inebriated again. Right. Sometimes you just need to get a little bit in the system, but the heart, but the last thing you want to do uh, after a rough night of partying, drinking, et cetera, is to have another drink. Right. Um, Unless, unless, you know, that's, that's how you, that, that, that is how you do it. Unless you keep it real like that and you get up and, and go out again, but then we might not need to have a conversation and you might need to be drinking the non-alcoholic versions of mimosas and bloody Marys, which the brunch cocktail category. One of the reasons I love it for our, those of our fans that maybe don't drink alcohol, right. Um, make very good non-alcoholic versions too. So anyway, 
Bloody Mary. I'm going to tell you then, I'm going to tell you how I enjoy Bloody Mary. We can't really have a have a debate about this since you've never had one. But let me just describe to you the best Bloody Mary I've ever had. All right. Best Bloody Mary I've ever had involved. First of all, you, if you're just pouring V8 and and vodka together and putting that in a glass, that's not a Bloody Mary. That's a V8 and vodka. All right. Let's get that straight. Your Bloody Mary needs to be chunky, it needs to be chunky. It needs to be peppery, fresh ground pepper. You need to have that chunky tomato thickness to your to maybe I maybe use some cocktail sauce a little bit. Sometimes they have a little air of that cocktail sauce flavor to a good Bloody Mary. You need to be horseradishy. You need to have that fresh horseradish sh- shredded up in there so that when you when you when it hits, when you swallow it, you need to. You need that spice to wake you up. That's all. The, the other thing about the Bloody Mary is there to reinvigorate your soul after that night that you're recovering from. Right now, you're laughing, but I just hit you with the basics. I just hit you with the basics. Yeah, yeah. That's what needs to be for your Bloody Mary to be just drinkable. Because to your point, there is a lot that is disgusting about the thought of a Bloody Mary, and which which is why it's something that I didn't even enjoy a Bloody Mary till my late twenties. I thought they were disgusting before then, right? Until someone introduced me to a good one. But the blessed but best Bloody Mary I ever had. The toppings on that Bloody Mary were um, candied bacon, shrimp cocktail, blue cheese stuffed olives, pickled string beans, and a fresh, fresh, crisp celery stalk. Because you always need to top it off with a fresh, crisp celery stalk. How does that sound to you for a cocktail, for a drink? It sounds, it sounds like a meal. I mean, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not ideologically against it. I would drink it because it, it sounds like that drink you just described sounds like a chef put his foot in it. So I would drink that. You know what I'm saying? But like people like, oh, yo, have this Bloody Mary. You're right. I was thinking V8 and vodka or like they cracked open a fucking uh, uh you know, tomato juice puree can yeah. just pour that shit into a cup and put some vodka in it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. I, like, I, I, I've stayed away from it because of that. But if it was that drink that you just described, that's a sexy-ass drink. Yeah. I would drink that. Dr- well, of course it's a sexy-ass drink because I drank it and I drank sexy. <laughs> I'm out here. I, I am quick. I So, the thing, the thing you know if you're a Bloody Mary connoisseur, you never order a Bloody Mary without doing one of two things. You have to look real close around the restaurant to see what the Bloody Mary Bloody Mary looks like that other people are drinking, right? If that Bloody Mary is is translucent in any fashion, if I'm seeing thin, liquidy stuff that I'm seeing through the other side of that jar, I'm not ordering your Bloody Mary. And then when you're when you're at brunch, you got to you got to this is when you you got to have one of these moments with a stranger that it might get uncomfortable, but you got to take you got to ask your 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 uh, waiter, waitress, it's wh- whoever's ser- your server, right? Whatever the proper term is for the server that's coming to the table and taking, and you're going to ask for this Bloody Mary. You need to say to them, you need, and this is how you do it. You take a pause. You give it a little min- dramatic pause after you order your meal. When they, they say, would you like any drinks? Or sometimes they take the drink order first, right? So they say, you like any drinks? I want you to take a deep breath. I want you to raise your eyes slowly. I want you to squint your eyes a little bit. I want you to look at them, and I want you to say, I just need you to answer this question honestly. How good is your Bloody Mary? And 
Wait, did you LL lick the lips after you say Bloody Mary? (laughs) Yeah, I just did that. I didn't even realize it, right? I I did the LL LL Cool J uh, lip lick. And you got to ask him. You got to be, because this is a moment right here where you and your server are going to have a heart to heart. Because they know, every good server at a a restaurant knows if their Bloody Mary is bullshitting. And the problem Mm. with a bullshitting Bloody Mary is you then are going to order that Bloody Mary and it's going to be the first Bloody Mary you ever have and it's going to be the only one you ever had because that Bloody Mary is going to be garbage. It's going to be some tomato juicy, just just mixed with vodka and someone put in a glass for you. And I don't want that to be your first Bloody Mary experience. So you and I, we're going to go have Bloody Marys one of these days. Anyway, I'm going to leave it at that for the Bloody Mary, but we're going to have a proper one like the one I described. All right. Now, mimosas. So I'm so I, I, I like I said, I'm only doing two categories for brunch cocktails right now. Mimosas. What's the best mimosa you ever had? Um, Best mimosa. Like, I mean, mimosa for me kind of serves that that Bloody Mary purpose that you were just talking about. Like like OJ is like that good, you know, morning wake up kind of drink. Um, the vitamin mm-hmm. C is also good for the hangover. Um, and then. Um, you know, I, I feel like if you are one of those people who isn't really a champagne drinker, uh, like I don't really drink champagne, so I have a real low bar for mimosa. Like all I want is a pitcher of that shit, uh, served properly as soon as I sit down and I just want to keep drinking it and drinking it and drinking it. So I would say, um, I'm much like, I love Bellini's actually more than mimosas. I'm, 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 I like the... Mm -hmm the peach juice more and it gives more opportunity for nuance in the drink. Like, you know, people will, will mix the, the peach juice with, with other stuff, um, syrup, spices, etc. Most people make mimosas. They literally just take the bargain basement champagne, pour it in a pitcher and then fill half of it up on orange juice, stir it two times and then pour it to you. So, um, I'm actually like my brunch drink of choice is the hot toddy, which we talked about on a previous pod. Mm. The hot yeah. toddy, that's the move. I mean, my family's from Alabama. So, you know, if y'all y'all know what's up with the hot toddies down south, you go to a spot in New York that serves a good hot toddy, they also probably serve catfish. They also probably serve grits. They also probably serve, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So Those grits probably come with the optional cheddar cheese in the grits exactly. and optional shrimp in the grits, right? Yeah, man. So like that's that's what I I I be looking for stuff like that. So when I'm hanging out with my my shishi friends who want to go to like you know the the New York Manhattan rooftop spots or whatever, I'll mm-hmm. drink I'll drink mimosa. I'll drink a pitcher of that shit though. Like I'm drinking it like it's you know like it's cold water on on a Sunday afternoon because that's essentially what it is to me. <laughs> so wait, you were talking about the juice thing because because you you struck a point that I, that I'm gonna I'm gonna hit on here about about what makes mimosas. So that generic juice situation. Let me ask you something: Are you a pulp guy? Yeah, you are gotta, you a pulp you gotta, and or puree guy, or or you need your shit to be strained? No, nah, I like the pulpy. I like the pulpy uh, mimosa. I like to have. Yeah, a I didn't know that of... about you. I'm a pulp. I'm a pulp guy too. But do you? This is speaking of speaking of dirty words. We're gonna have to talk about pulp. One day, because 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 I when I bring this up with some people, like some people, some people are really anti pulp in their beverage. Yeah, I don't I mean it depends. It depends. Um, yeah. You know, to each their ever, own. But to me, to me, I, I like I like I like a little bit of pulp. You heard me talking about like I like my Bloody Mary to be chunky. Like I like my yeah. I like my juice to be chunky. It makes me feel like it came, you know, it came from a fruit which had pulp in it. So, yes, sir. Like a sangria. Like, sangria now, is a good brunch drink, too. 
sangria is a good brunch drink. But I told you, dude, we could talk about this. I said we can make multiple episodes about this topic. So that's why I had to narrow it down. Now, I'm going to tell you, like, so um, speaking of privilege, once again, I had the not only have I had the privilege of going of, of brunching consistently in New York City, where it's a part of our of our weekend culture in this town. Right. Um, I had the privilege once of going down to the brunch at the Ritz Carlton in Naples, Florida, which is, from what I recall, at least at the time, was uh, highlighted as one of the top 20 brunches in the country or something like that. Oh, OK. Um, I, I mean, let's just put it this way. I, I won't even go into all the details for you, but just to explain what this brunch like for dessert, you walked into this room that was the size of a mini footlocker. And had like the footlocker like type like things that you put shoes on on the walls. And that, <laughs> what the, that's how the desserts were. And you walked in and just grabbed desserts off the shelf like they were sneakers. You wanted someone to like go get you your size. You'd be like, I'll just have I'll have this uh, key lime pie if that's all right with you. Like that, that was how you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll take a I'll take an extra large key lime. <laughs> oh, oh, let me get some of that carrot cake with that cream cheese icing. That's okay. Um, gotcha. that, that, that's exactly that. That's just to tell you, that's just how dessert was going. So we had every option of everything you could want at this amazing brunch of people living the privileged life, myself included there. Right now, what I had, what I did have there was the first time I was ever blown away by a mimosa. Because like you said, like a mimosa, I'm like, you're not usually blown away. I'm like, I don't care much about champagne. Uh, carbon i'm not a carbonated beverage person in general for the most part so like champagne doesn't do it for me but i can appreciate it gets the job done but you throw some juice in that champagne tasty eh, it works but when i went to this place they would they could fresh juice whatever fruit you wanted to make your mimosa with and i will tell you the greatest mimosa i've ever had was a fresh squeezed honeydew melon juice mimosa okay honeydew melon juice honeydew melon puree top level champagne phenomenal followed by a close second by this spot by my old crib um in murray hill that 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 yeah that this spot closed unfortunately it was called lalise and their house special drink called the lalise was a was a fresh pureed kiwi mimosa Interesting. Did they get hit by COVID? Moral of this story. Moral of this story. When it comes to your brunch cocktails, like on this podcast, we talk about a lot of topics that are related to diversity. Like, don't be afraid to diversify your mimosa. Don't, don't, orange juice. I love orange juice. It's one, uh, orange juice is one one of my favorite uh, juices (laughs) ever. When, in fact, when I was a kid, it was a running joke in my household. Like, they had to cut me off of orange juice because otherwise I would drink all the, all the OJ, right? Um, but OJ is not, is not, it's not, not only is it not necessarily the best is it, it, it's, it's clearly not the best form of a mimosa. It's just, it's a, in many cases, it's a suggestion. In fact, uh, what I encourage you to do is when, whatever restaurant you're going to, they'll usually list like uh, a mimosa and a Bellini as options. Ask them what other, what other juices they got in the back. There's usually, they, there's usually a whole list of things that they'll be willing to mix your champagne with most of which are going to taste a lot better than just some canned, you know, from concentrate OJ. And whatever you get, if they have anything that's freshly made, freshly squeezed, etc., that's always superior to any other generic juice. 
That's what I got to say about mimosas. Tell them to put that pulp in there. Yeah, yeah. Ask them for whatever's got, whatever's the pulpiest, pulpiest juice that they got. <laughs> all right. Last question for me related to brunch. Okay. For you here, all right? So, well, all right. I lied. It's a two-part question. Are you a, do you, so do you, do you, do you go for the breakfast item or do you go for the non-breakfast item or is it just, or is it just, you know, kind of depending on the day? Oh man. It, uh, definitely depends on how fucked up I am. Like, so like if I'm, if I'm out late Friday, Saturday, and I'm waking up Saturday, Sunday for brunch. So if I'm out at like 4 a.m. and then I got a brunch date, I'm up at, you know, probably 11 to get myself fresh, even if brunch is in the afternoon. I'm, 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 I'm eating breakfast. It's still breakfast for me. But if I'm good, like I didn't go out the night before, like I just wake up regular day, like I got up, I did some work, I will probably get the lunch, the the lunch item. So I, I, I go back and forth. But just to be clear, it will depend on the restaurant, right? We're in New York. Some restaurants, their breakfast stuff is just mwah. And then their lunch stuff is burgers and chicken fingers. And then other places, like their lunch items are mint. And then the breakfast items are like, you know, I make a scrambled egg and an omelet, you know? So I think sometimes it it depends on the spot. I, I mentioned a lot of Southern food. So you can get chicken and waffles anywhere, right? But in New York, you got spaces and in other places too, I'm sure who specialize on chicken and waffles. So that's like that brunch breakfast. That's the perfect brunch food, right? Because that's lunch breakfast crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, that is. You get like a, you know, the waffle is made out of like, a, you know, red velvet uh, cake or, you know, the, the, the chicken is, is honey crusted with almonds, like, you know, you start getting fancy with that chicken and waffle stuff. That's that's kind of sexy to me. I get I get drawn to that kind of. There's stuff. some there's some there's some spots here. I, I've had some spots that make a waffle out of uh out of croissant batter, right? Stuffed with stuffed with Nutella. Hmm. You can go like, in on a waffle. <laughs> so I feel like like yeah. that's if I had to choose. Like if I, if somebody's like gun to the head, pick a brunch food. Last brunch food you're ever gonna have. It's probably gonna be chicken and waffles. Please let it be good. Please let it be good. It's my last one. <laughs> but here's the thing. Even if I'm getting chicken and waffles, and this is this is my my why I said this is a two-part question, because I was curious about that. I'm I'm with you. Like, I'm good with breakfast food at any time. Oh yeah. I'm more likely McDonald's to reject breakfast 24 hours for a little while. Like I was yeah. like, I when they when, when they when they got their act together, yeah. I remember when McDonald's <laughs> started acting right and I could get and I could get <laughs> breakfast at all hours. And then Months later, I was I realized why they never did that, because I shouldn't be eating two McGriddles and a hash brown at five o'clock in the afternoon. Like, it's just like <laughs> if they're if that's available, you're going to get it. And it's and it's it's just bad for you. So, like, yeah, greatest and worst thing McDonald's ever did. Anyway. um, So back to the question, the reason I ask what so we're both we're both uh we're both breakfast items. We favor breakfast items, but but we both like the other items. But like you, you put it. You, I love the way you summarize. It's like mostly it's like, uh, other than the chicken waffles, you get like burgers and like a chicken grilled chicken or breaded chicken sandwich, etc. A couple other things. They're like they're usually not as inventive 
as the yeah. uh, as the as the more breakfasty items. Um, and even if I'm having chicken and waffles, if I'm having chicken and waffles, I still want to I still want some egg on the side of that to wrap it all together. Right. Okay. So here's my question for you. When it comes to brunch, when it comes to breakfast items of brunch, which generally to me, a breakfast item almost always, almost always involves some form of egg, mm-hmm. which got me thinking how you like your how, when you're having brunch. How do you how what is your number one way to have your egg? Because eggs, eggs are their own category. Like we could do a whole other show on eggs. We might yeah. in the future do a do a show on eggs. But <laughs> um, are you getting them? Are you having them scrambled? Are you having them fried? Are you having them poached? Are they going to be runny? Are they going to be dry? Are they going to have yolks or no yolk? Like how do you, Mister Jericho Turner? like your eggs at brunch at brunch. I'm saying specifically at brunch because I like my eggs one way at brunch differently than how I like my eggs on non non brunch. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. Like when I'm making my own eggs, I actually include oat milk in the, in the, in the, in the scramble. So if I'm scrambling, I'll put Mm -hmm. oat milk in it. I'm not going to be in a restaurant like, yo, do y'all use oat milk in your eggs? You know? So I'm not, I'm not that, that gully with it. But, um, if given a choice, I usually go scrambled because most I don't trust places. But like if if I'm at a place and I have a recommendation or like, you know, somebody tells me, oh, this place makes great blank eggs, then I'll try it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm not one of those yeah. people who like, oh, the, oh, it's runny. I can't eat it. Like they're especially like, you know, not to disparage black people, but y'all don't like runny eggs like most of y'all. Um, like y'all be trying to like yeah. burn fry your scrambles like. i didn't i didn't get into eating runny eggs till i was again in like my like mid late 20s i think yeah i mean it it sounds gross i get it but it has to be done properly and not like leaky to the point where you turn your plate and there's like you know runny egg juice all over the place it's got to be done properly um just Mm -hmm. like you know if you order a steak like i i've ordered my steak well done until I was like, you know, mid to late 20s and I started to realize, oh, steak's not supposed to be burnt. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, so I feel I really feel like it's about how it's prepared. Again, I'm going I'm defaulting. I'm going back to whatever the restaurant does well. But if I don't know, I choose scrambled and I don't go cheese, especially early in the day because I'm a little bit lactose intolerant. If I eat cheese that early in the day, I got to deal with it for the rest of the day. <laughs> oh no brother wait a minute you just you just broke my cardinal rule on eggs and like i understand like luckily thank god knock on wood i don't suffer from lactose intolerance especially not to the degree many of my family members do and and now i'm learning that you do but like even if i did man like when it comes you to eggs it. you just do it when it comes to egg i mean aren't there some lactate pills or something like so, I, I mean like <laughs> i don't know you want Eggs, eggs and cheese are two things that like that I refuse to separate from each other for the most part. Right. <laughs> unless unless you unless you replace that cheese with hollandaise sauce, which is going back to my point where you enter the range of eggs Benedict. Which to my why well, I was saying I prefer my eggs one way at brunch for some reason when it comes to brunch. I need my eggs to be poached. I don't even know when I like growing up. I didn't even know poached was an option. Maybe that's why. Maybe I got fancy at some point in my later life yeah, brunching yeah, with yeah. in you fancy places. I was like, and poach, <laughs> poach. Yeah, fine. I'm bougie. 
You know what my privileged ass <laughs> wants a brunch? I want some poached eggs, bruh. Because po- poached, poached eggs. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know what you did. You didn't fry it. You didn't fry it. You didn't fry it. That's for goddamn sure. You didn't fry it. <laughs> And and I don't want to sound completely ignorant for those for those people. You know when we you know we in case people don't realize we're joking when we get ignorant on this. <laughs> like I'm not ignorant. Like I've looked up how to poach an egg. The problem is like it's not easy to poach an egg. It's really hard. So like if I'm gonna pay top dollar for someone to make an egg for me, like then you're gonna then I, I appreciate you showing and flaunting your skill and poaching that egg for me. But what came of my poached egg habit? Because I like egg, I like I like all types of I like eggs Benedict. I like uh, or all varieties of Benedict. I love like my go to at brunch is a um, is actually a crab cake Benedict. I know mm. that doesn't vibe with you because you got that seafood crustacean allergy. Yeah, you're gonna have to trust me on that one. Um, I'll take your word for it. The the lump if you get a high quality lump jumbo crab meat. Um, with a properly poached egg, which should a poached egg should be is this is why the poached egg is great. Like you're talking about, like sunny side up egg is like it's ex. That's just a raw yolk for the most part, right? A poached yeah. egg, you get like that drizzle, that little drizzle off the like your yolk. You should crack it after it's served to you, and the yolk should just run off the side till that drip just hangs off of the English muffin at the bottom, right? That's how you know your egg was poached properly. Um, but what I did develop as a result of this poached egg privi- privileged lifestyle of eating is um uh <laughs> is that I I create I created I, I don't know if I can take full credit for this because I don't know if anybody else did this before me, but I've created this hybrid fried poached thing that I now do at home where I preheat the pan real hot, then turn it down, then crack the egg and drop the egg in it the egg sears a bit on the bottom side of the egg so the egg white gets fried and mm-hmm. then i put about two to three tablespoons of water in the pan and cover it and so then it steams it steams, steams the top of the egg that forms this poached like film over the top of the egg and it turns it into this sunny side up egg with a thin poached layer thing hybrid thing going on sprinkle a little cheddar cheese on top and voila you've got a pizzle hybrid fried egg we're gonna call that a pizzle poach because that's a, a pizzle poach like that um <laughs> may i suggest another phrase even though i like to have things named after me and i think that would be dope to call it a pizzle poach yeah yeah um can we start calling that the privileged poach yes sir so now y'all know how to make the privileged poach eggs at your brunch and that my friends wraps up another episode of the beat on podcast it's been a pleasure as always justin it is a privilege and an honor to podcast with you my friend (laughs) peace my brother Powered by Righteous Media.